Welcome to the Christian Life Institute and our radio message, The Living Way, with Dr. Katherine Pang, psychologist, author, and teacher. The Living Way brings a message of healing and hope that starts with a desire to live differently, to know Christ more deeply. With exhortation and encouragement, Dr. Pang's teaching is based on both scripture and brain science. We can learn to grow forward in Christ with practical, real ways, living victoriously as overcomers in, but not of, this world. And now, Dr. Katherine Pang. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Dr. Katherine Pang, and it is so great to share this time together. Welcome to The Living Way, the radio ministry of the Christian Life Institute and the Christian Life Institute's purpose to grow Christians forward, to live victoriously as overcomers in, but not of the world, through the hope and healing of Christ. If you missed any of our Saturday evening messages, you can listen to them as podcasts and find a link and more information on our website at https colon backslash backslash christianlifeinstitute.com. As we begin, you may want to grab a Bible and follow along as we share scripture throughout our time together this evening. Tonight, we want to share some stories and provide some insights that focus on leaning into Christ. Before we begin, ask yourself, what do I lean on for comfort, soothing, support? If some of the answers are perhaps unhealthy, such as dependence and reliance on the people and their opinion for approval, for codependency or people-pleasing, alcohol or a substance, just to take the edge off, you say, food for comfort, or excessive fill-in-the-blank, your own blank, then perhaps this is an opportunity to make a shift and lean into Christ rather than lean on your own fill-in-the-blank. As we unpack some foundational ways to lean into Christ, we pray that this time may be an encouragement to you as you continue your journey to find restorative hope and healing in Christ, and as you continue to grow forward in and through him. Let's start with a story snippet. When we asked some supporters, what does it mean to lean into Christ? One wrote, leaning in? What does that even mean when I can't see past myself? And then continue to share, and I quote, I'm not good in hard situations, in crisis mode in areas that require a lot of thinking, growth, and intentionality. I guess what I'm saying is that I don't have much resiliency. In a hard situation, it's easy for me to want to give up and succumb to whatever hard situation I'm faced with. I've noticed this a lot over the past year. I get overwhelmed with anxiety when trying to make a decision and can easily lose it. I see it also when a class or work assignment is hard. I get frustrated. I tend to turn away rather than lean in. I push everything off until the last minute, and I make the already hard thing harder on myself. My negative self-talk is this. I don't do hard things well. I find that in the face of adversity, I make the same mistakes time and time again to my detriment. What I do know is, even though my tendency is to turn away when I get discouraged, I can anchor into the truth of Christ and remind myself that by the grace of God, his mercy, and his love for me, that I am still here doing hard things. I am choosing to allow him to help me and lean into him to move through my struggles and weaknesses rather than turn away, avoid, 
or self-soothe in unhealthy ways. This supporter story reminds us that God loves us more than we can imagine. Whatever you are facing, he is with you. He is at work in your life in a very personal and intimate way, even if you doubt it and do not feel it. Max Lucado writes, and I paraphrase, Jesus loves you as you are, but he does not want you to stay that way. He wants you to be more like him. So how can we, when it's hard, uncomfortable, discouraging, frustrating, overwhelming, sad, fill in your own blank or blanks, lean into Christ and not succumb to our conditioned ways, tendencies, propensities, susceptibilities, or unhealthy self-soothing systems. For those who are familiar with some of our teaching at the Christian Life Institute, you probably have already identified our starting point. It's a choice, and I don't say that lightly. Let me repeat, I do not say it is a choice lightly. I know that seeing a choice when it's dark, cloudy, stormy, or other shades of gray can be very challenging, but please know there is always a choice. First, to lean in well, we must firmly anchor ourselves in the truth of Christ. Think of a high-rise. In most major cities, there are buildings with 40, 50, 60 floors and more. According to those in the know, by clustering steel columns and beams in the skyscraper's core, engineers create a stiff backbone that can resist tremendous wind forces. In addition, builders put skyscrapers through all kinds of tests to make sure they will perform well in every conceivable weather condition. Now think of a redwood tree such as a giant sequoia. They are too massive to be blown over in the wind, and their bark is thick and rich in tannins, which protects them against fire and insect damage. They also require a great amount of water, which they primarily receive from the Sierra snowpack. Now that we've had an architecture, engineering, and a dendrology lesson, a fancy name for the study of trees, let's apply some spiritual analogies. Our footing and our core must be rooted and stabilized in and by Christ. Our rooting and stabilization flows from our cultivating our connection with Christ, improving our intimacy and desiring depth, all of which are facilitated by spending time with him through reading the word cover to cover, what we refer to as infusion, prayer, quiet time to listen and journal, a walk, and many other ways that focus our time, our resources, and our hearts and minds on Christ. Did you note the sentence earlier when we were reviewing architecture? Builders put skyscrapers through all kinds of tests to make sure they will perform well in every conceivable weather condition. In Jeremiah 17:10, we read, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. In Psalm 26, 2, David says to the Lord, test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. In 1 Chronicles 28, 9, we read, As for you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him wholeheartedly and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands the intent of every thought. In Proverbs 17, 3, we read, The crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold, and the Lord tests hearts. And in James 1.12, 
Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. As the engineers put the skyscrapers through all kinds of tests to make sure they will perform, uphold, do what they're designed to do, so God puts us through all types of tests to know our heart, to see, as James states, if we will remain steadfast under tribal. The Bible makes it clear. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. 1 Peter 4, 12-14 Further, we know from James 1, 2-4, that we are to count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Second, we must choose to adjust and align our focus upward into the eyes of Christ. We must not look down or around. Are you familiar with the story of Peter walking on water? Let's refresh ourselves on the details of that narrative. We're in the Gospel of Matthew, and for context, which is always important, chapter 14, verse 14, begins with an account of the death of John the Baptist. We read, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. In 14, 13 through 15. We then read that Jesus feeds the 5,000, and after they ate, they were satisfied in 1420. Let's now focus in on 1421 through 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. There is so much to unpack in these verses, but let's focus on those that apply to our second point, eyes on Christ. First, in these verses, notice that the disciples were terrified. Jesus was walking towards them, perhaps not even near them, 
and he knew their terror, their fear. Note the word immediately in verse 27, and note Jesus' three-part response. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. What does it mean to take heart? To take heart is to take control of your mind, to be brave and courageous in challenging times. In many ways, it is similar to taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ, as we read in 2 Corinthians 10.5. His first command to the disciples is, focus your mind. Jesus then identified himself. He asked them to first take heart and then connected the request to himself. You can choose to stabilize yourself because it is me, the Christ. Jesus then exhorted them, do not be afraid. His statement implies that while the physiological effects of fear in our bodies are real, there is still a choice as to whether to fear. This is critically important. Our physiology, our nervous system will be activated by external and internal events in our lives. Our sympathetic nervous system is designed with a fight-flight mechanism. However, our brain can minimize the effects of our physiology if we can shift out of the lower, more primitive part of the brain, the limbic system, and move into the more rational decision-making part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex. It's how many first responders are trained to lean in, even when their physiology is screaming, danger, danger. Continuing in our passage, we quickly see a manifestation of Peter's disbelief. Jesus clearly identified himself, it is I, in verse 27. In verse 28, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, if is the word of disbelief. And so Peter asks for proof, command me to come to you on the water. Note the kindness, the compassion, the mercy, the forgiveness in Jesus' response in verse 29. He said, come. Jesus completely overlooked the disregard of Peter's identification statement and beckoned Peter to come. What love Jesus expresses. My paraphrase, you don't believe me, you want proof, so come to me. Which reminds me of the verse, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Let's continue with verses 29 through 31. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? What can we extract from these verses? Peter saw the wind and was afraid. If he saw the wind, where were his eyes, his focus, his attention? on the externalities as we refer to them at the Christian Life Institute, those external factors, circumstances, events, people, emotions, all which is external to us and impacts us. Peter's eyes, focus, attention was on the wind. Peter saw the wind, was afraid, and began to sink. This sentence is so crucial and relevant to all of us. As soon as you and I take our eyes off of Christ and place them on anything or anybody else, we are prone to the susceptibilities of the flesh, such as fear, and we begin to sink, to become wobbly and unstable, to doubt, hesitate, and we're prone to lose heart. Our mind begins to attach to the negative thoughts, the condemning thoughts, 
the hopeless and fear-filled thoughts, in short, the destructive flesh thoughts, and we lose stability and are pulled into the vortex of the flesh. Peter lost stability. He began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Note this time Peter was clear on the identity of Christ as he called him Lord. Note again the compassion, kindness, mercy in Christ's response immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. But note also the admonition, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? The first time Jesus overlooked the lack of faith when Peter asked for Jesus to prove it was he. The second time Jesus called Peter out on his lack of faith and doubt. Was Jesus angry, frustrated, hurt by Peter's battle of doubt? The text doesn't seem to suggest this was the case but rather that this was a speak truth and love moment where Jesus was admonishing him as a growth moment. Perhaps a paraphrased version, keep praying and growing in your faith. Keep your eyes on me, and when doubt and fear come, take heart, look up, and align your focus onto me, Christ the King. Third, as we have just been reminded, we need to cultivate our faith. Let's review our message points. First, to lean in well, we must firmly anchor ourselves in the truth of Christ. Second, to lean in well, we must choose to adjust and align our focus upward into the eyes of Christ. Third, to lean in well, we need to cultivate our faith. To lean in well, we must choose to believe. We read in Hebrews 11:6, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And in Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we are reminded, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And in 1 Corinthians 2, 5, Paul exhorts the church in Corinth and you and I today that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I want to pause for a moment before we consider the fourth last point. If right now, as you are listening to this message, wherever you are and whatever you are doing, you have doubts, please pause for a moment. Ask yourself, ask the Lord, what is the root of my doubts? Are resentments, hurts, disappointments of the past or present standing in my way and tainting my view of God? Have the acts and choices of others so hurt me that I cannot see past them to the unconditional, forgiving, merciful love and compassion of Christ? Are my eyes on the hypocrisy of man? Even the professed Christian who has tainted my view of God is my own lifestyle choices creating obstacles because I know God would not delight in them. And is it too hard to change them or make a different choice? So I'm allowing them to override my view of God as he says he is according to the truth of his word. Is my pain too great? My hurts too big? My stamina so diminished that it's easier to stay stuck than to cry out, Lord, increase my faith. It's imperative if you, if you want intimacy with the Savior, freedom from the entanglements of the flesh, and relief from self-draining, self-willed ways to take the time and identify the obstacles that are preventing you from seeing the truth about the Savior. If this is you, know God is patient and long-suffering. He loves you and wants a deep, personal relationship with you. Please take some time after this message or pause it right now and ask the Lord to reveal any obstacles that are hindering your faith. Let us be reminded that Peter, an apostle, the one who denied Christ three times, the one whose name means rock, 
and the one who was the first to confess Christ, the first apostle to extend the gospel to the Gentiles, as we read in Acts 10, he continued to need to learn to trust more wholeheartedly. Peter, who had witnessed miracle after miracle, still struggled to maintain the faith, and Christ was patient and gracious, even in his admonition, knowing Peter's need. And I would suggest ours as well as we cry out, Lord, increase our faith. Fourth and finally, our faith is not based on human wisdom, but the power of God. Our focus cannot be on worldly wisdom, fleshly wisdom, culture, personal opinion, thoughts of others, politics, economics, social conventions, although they all scream at us through social media feeds or any other channel of any type. Our faith must be based solely on the truth of Christ, the power of God, the power that raised our Savior from the grave, resurrection power. Let us choose as the apostles cried out to the Lord in Luke 17, 5, Lord, increase our faith. In closing, what can we highlight from these verses? First, we need faith to please God. We must choose to believe that God exists and he wants us to seek him. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And in James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Second, faith comes from hearing the word. We must choose to infuse, read the word cover to cover over and over. We must choose community to grow in hearing the word. As we read in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active. Third, our walk, our life, our day-to-day in the here and now in this messy world is not one based on what we see. It's based on our faith what we know to be true based on the truth of who Christ is as he declares himself to be according to the truth of his word, not what we see, what we want to believe, what we convince ourselves of to justify our choices and our lifestyle, but on his words of truth, it is a foundational choice. Fourth, our faith is not based on human wisdom, but the power of God. In Colossians 2.8, we read, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Let us choose to practice these four steps, to lean in fully to Christ, who is more than able, who is ready and desirous to be our very precious help in time of need, who loves you more than anyone, your protector, your hope, your truth. The purpose of the Christian Life Institute is palatable. We want all who profess Christ to taste and see that the Lord is good from Psalm 34, 8. To truly, deeply, intimately, and personally want Christ to be your all in all. We pray this is a time of refreshment and growth. We value your prayers. We value your support. We welcome your stories and your questions. Please visit our website and feel free to send us story snippets or up to one-minute audio recordings of stories to radio at christianlifeinstitute.com, and we'll review and may contact you for your permission to use them on The Living Way. We are so grateful to be able to spend this time together, to be able to grow together, to know Christ more. And we so want your input and your prayers as we together journey forward to function in, but not of this world, as victorious overcomers, to recognize that we can choose to believe the reality of Christ and his power. We can, as we read in John 20, 31, 
But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Thank you for joining us for The Living Way, presented by the Christian Life Institute. Please make a note to tune in next Saturday at 6.30 p.m. or listen to our messages anytime by clicking the link on our radio ministry page on our website. Thank you for growing forward with us in the power and truth of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to The Living Way with Dr. Katherine Pang. This program is sponsored by Christian Life Institute. Follow the Christian Life Institute on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. We welcome your stories and questions. Please email us at radio at christianlifeinstitute.com and please visit our website at christianlifeinstitute.com. That's christianlifeinstitute.com. We look forward to growing forward together next week.